Welcome to Fret Knots with me, Rosie Bennett. Fret Knot is the podcast that aims to demystify the learning process that we all go through in our lives, work and otherwise. I'll be talking to the heroes and the champions of our field about the lessons that have most defined their lives and their careers, and help us to figure out how we can learn from what they've already figured out. Nothing in life is a linear process, so let's get more at ease with the ups and the downs and realize that wherever we are in our journey, we really aren't alone. In today's episode, I talked to Jason View. Born in Buffalo, New York in 1973, he began his musical training at age eight, after which he continued his studies at the Cleveland Institute of Music. In 1992, Jason was awarded the Guitar Foundation of America International Guitar Competition first prize and was the event's youngest winner. Since then, Jason has gone on to record more than 15 albums, both as a soloist and as part of a chamber music unit. His album Play won the 2015 Grammy Award for Best Classical Instrumental Solo. And his long-awaited Bach Volume 2 Works for Violin was released this April on Azika Records to critical acclaim. I'll put a link in the description so that you can listen to that. As a teacher, Jason co-founded the guitar department at the Curtis Institute of Music in 2011 with David Starobin and has taught at the Cleveland Institute of Music for 25 years. His online guitar school for artist works has hundreds of subscribers from all over the world. And if you want to find out more about Jason, you can either check out his website, which is jasonviewer.com, which I'll put again in the description box, or on his Instagram, at jasonviewerguitar. This was a really wonderful conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I know I always say that, but Jason is such a prolific tourer, and it just felt so wonderful to talk to somebody who is so famous, talk about some of the more normal and mundane aspects of life and the problems that come with it. We talked about COVID, post and pre-COVID touring, how it's changed, what his schedule looks like. We talked about having children and we talked about how the online world is shaping our industry. Enjoy. Jason, what's a lesson that you've learned that's been the most meaningful to you? I mean, there's a lot of them. It really is more just that experience is is a really good teacher and that I should trust it, you know? Mm. I think that's kind of the thing is that the length of time really is something I could never have imagined uh, really learning that much from. I mean, you're just put in so many situations and so many random situations that you don't think will mean anything to you personally. Like you just do them and you just do them because someone asks you to do them and and um they all kind of that's that whole saying like they're all grist for the mill you know they all sort of go into the hopper and um and that's the thing i think really with the pandemic was something that that i think uh was meaningful for me like oh you know because you really don't think you know there's no time there's just never in over 30 years of doing this professionally there just is almost no time to really reflect on it and particularly the last 10 for me was really Uh, intense because each year was like a major life-changing event you know like meeting my wife and then joining Curtis and then starting Artist Works and then getting married and having a uh, our firstborn and and on and on and so Mm -hmm. it's I think that kind of thing is sort of it it just is all the last 10 years has been very very fast you know almost a blur Mm -hmm. Uh, but that your brain, you know, remembers all those things and it does store them away, even though they're not always in your immediate conscious mind. 
I think COVID was a big time of reflection for a lot of people, but definitely if you were so busy, how did COVID affect you? Well, all of a sudden I really wasn't busy. I mean, except for teaching, um, mm -hmm. which was, uh, thankfully we had that because it was pretty uh, destructive uh, for us financially. I mean, because our gigs are kind of the thing around here, you know, in terms of paying the bills. So, yeah. um, but it was nice to be able to kind of stop for a moment and, and think about you, you, you slowly began to, to reflect and because um, you're trying to put things together as far as like where, you know, where, where everybody's going to go from here. And you have so many responsibilities to so many people, too. Mm. And, and um, they're, they're all that kind of thing. So, yeah, the reflection time was very helpful, I think. So mm. are there things that you do differently now also in like your performance practice post COVID? I would say not that much, actually. Again, practicing and the thing, the thing of regular practice, I began to appreciate more because I didn't practice as much right away. One of the things I had kind of realized is I had become a kind of an animal, a trained animal in the sense that I had, to, I always had like you know seven, eight, nine hours of repertoire every year. And so I would just, and that's kind of what my wife and girlfriends before her always were kind of probably dealing with was that that was the, the thing, you know, it's like the thing <laughs> there's me and then there's the Jason VO thing. Yeah. And, and it's really involves all this kind of like, you just go, you're going for the next kind of thing. And your day, day is like super organized, like overly organized to the, to the hour, the half hour. And, um, so it was, it was good for me to not really have that initially. Initially there wasn't, but that was the thing. Like a lot of people pr continued to practice like the same amount. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't find the motivation because like I said, by that point, after so many years of doing that, you, there was, it was like, there wasn't an audience to, there's something that happens when I play with an, for an audience. And I, I, I've never been able to figure out what it is or describe it. There's like an energy that happens. And then I think you sort of, like, it's kind of only about that for me. Like, I, I like making recordings. It's fine. And, and um, you know, I've done my fair share of those. And But really, it's the gig. Like, the actual kind of thing from, like, 7.30 to 9.30 is, is sort of the thing. And that's when you're just – that when you basically prepare for that and those moments – and then they're so they're not there. It's very disorienting, actually. Mm. Uh, so I would still practice, but I was only practicing really to just kind of keep my chops up. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, but I did, which I did, and then these kind of virtual things came along, and they were like, okay, all right, I guess mm -hmm. we'll do them. And they, they, I mean, they weren't. Well, I was doing anything you know, that we I could to to for the income, you know, as small as it was. Mm. And, um, and so, but also then it was like, well, this is going to keep, you know, you kind of tell yourself, well, this is going to keep you in fighting, fighting condition, you know, like in, you know, like a boxer. And so, which it did so, which I was very thankful for that too. Um, but yeah, then the way I sort of prepared things, it's, no, it's never been different. I, th I mean, actually if like, what I, I kind of figured that out a long time ago, like I had to, I had to a long time ago in order to to prepare the, that amount of stuff, mm. you know, all the time. I mean, I, I had it down, you know, I mean, it's, I won't say I had it down to a science. 
I find that now as I'm getting a little older now, it's more like it's, I have to just be mindful to mm -hmm. do it. You know, like you're not with kids, you're not quite as motivated because you want to be with your kids too. And you want to be, you know, you want to be with your family and, and, and so you value sort of free time slash personal time a lot more. Um, and I like to really just spend it with them and, 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 uh, do what I can there. So the, the another thing I noticed in the pan, you know, post pandemic coming out of it was, wow, like, how did I do this before? Like, how did I, pa I couldn't, pa I, like, it was, took a long time to pack a suitcase. I used to pack, my, I used to roll my suitcase, you know, into the basement or in my condo before the, we had a house and and you literally did live out of a suitcase because there was no reason to really do anything. You just take the dirty stuff and you clean it. And then, you know, it was like you were just in this rhythm for, for mm -hmm. so many years. So like the first time I like, coming back to pack a suitcase, I was like, why, why is this taking so long? I'm like, I'm like, I was like uh, paranoid about everything. Like I was going to forget something and you just, and I actually, I wasn't, and I thought it was just me. And then I talked to all my colleagues like Escher String Quartet and Anna Kiko and stuff like that. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. It was like, it was like I'd never done it before. <laughs> like all those, all those sort of ancillary things around the gig, you know, cause you're just sort of, you know, you're so focused on the gig, but then all the habitual things that we become habits and it only takes a year for you to kind of go, where, where is this? And what do I do now? And oh, the airport, and, you know? Yeah, it's crazy what it changed and how quickly as well. Yeah. But I think it had to do not just with the time because a year isn't so long. I think it's more with the unending or the feeling of this not ever knowing when it was going to end, that that made it feel like it was forever. Which was really depressing, actually, for a lot of people. I mean, it was kind of like, well, when is it? Because initially, there, it's almost like there's like initial blast, right? Like like a thing, mm -hmm. like the mushroom cloud hits or whatever, and everybody's just like in survival mode. And then we learn how to survive after a couple months with it. We get into that rhythm. And then you're like, okay, now, now what, okay, what's, is this going to, and then, this, yeah, and then it didn't go, didn't go away. I mean, it, it, we're still sort of living with it now, but I think, I don't know how you feel about it, but it just seems like, um, I think people, at least in the States are just more, even the most, some of the most hardcore, like I, every, you know, and I was, I'm, I'm still wearing my mask on, on the airplanes, like full time. I'm not, mm -hmm. but I don't look at, I don't see myself as like, it's just more like, I just feel like I got to do that because my, my wife's parents and then I got my, my dad's in a, an assisted living facility and I try to visit him on my days at home. And, and so it just, it, that, that's really the only reason I, I, I do it. I think my kids are, seem sort of bulletproof from, from or whatever, but like, but, um, the, uh, it's, yeah, it, it was, it, it's like, we're still with it, but it's almost like in America, like people are just tired. They're just, they just want yeah. to get, they just want to get on with, get on with what they do. I mean, that's, I totally sympathize with that. I just want to do the thing that I know, you know, that I'm supposed to do. Definitely the same here. I get the feeling people are really, um, I don't know. There was always a cognitive dissonance that came with it anyway. And this one is that it's still around the news still comes out another yeah. variant another variant and but now people just think oh well 
yeah. you know, there's no panic like there was the first or second time. Oh, no, no. It's totally um, a different, totally different reaction. I mean, my, my, my wife's, my wife's a nurse. I was saying like she works the third shift on these one-offs, you know, and, um, and cause she, because she wasn't working, like, you know, after we had, uh, our daughter, it, it like, it cost us more money for her to work at Cleveland clinic than it did for, for me to just be on the road. And, and then that way that, and you know what I mean? Because of daycare, yeah. like this kind of, there's, it didn't make any sense. We were losing money with her working like, literally like i mean like she would then she tried to go like two days a week instead of full time and yada 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 so this is kind of nice sort of jigsaw puzzle now is that what we do she does these one-offs they're called prns or something like that and um and she just she does them at like a correctional facility right so we kind of plug those in and then our each month week and month is like a is like a little jigsaw puzzle what from when I go out of town and when she comes in and she can do her shifts and then keep her you know keep keep herself in the game type of thing you know keep her certification and all that right so it was just um yeah but even she was like at the beginning she at the very beginning of it she said well what's eventually going to happen is it's going to go into it's going to keep mutating and mutating and mutating and as it mutates it's going to get kind of less and less destructive like just like all the other viruses are but you know and of course but initially at that time it was like we were super careful um and uh, yeah and that's yeah that's kind of where we're at now it's almost like her the way she deals with it deal day to day is like really different from from two years ago and I just kind of follow yeah. her lead on that stuff because, again, like I said, I'm sort of an animal now. I don't really know anything about anything except playing, you know, mm. I'm, playing, <laughs> I'm playing gigs. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite, it's amazing really how much it changed. And you're right how quickly it went back as well. Yeah. I always thought that, you know, there was this um, kind of gap in what the brain's understanding was when the first lockdown was announced. You kind of couldn't believe that places like, pizza hut would be closed oh, yeah. that just seemed like something impossible and then after this whole year I, I kind of thought i'd never come within two meters of another person ever again and now that's just gone as well it's crazy you just get used to you know how quickly you just kind of think okay that's that's yeah. how it is yeah but it's good <laughs> yeah. that you it's good that you can make that you have to be very adaptable well that's kind of like you know it's sort of like the classical music businesses you know you just have to be really there's been a ton of changes for someone like myself like the last 10 years alone it's been amazing like how how many things change like 20 years ago when the this time when the internet was you know still not even not nowhere near it's sort of full flowering like when it was still kind of like like there's google had become maybe in 2002 by that point it had become the primary search engine but it really what hadn't the algorithms hadn't developed where it was really connecting the dots with with things. I mean, it was so exciting because it was still so so new, and mm-hmm. and but now it's just it's just so I don't know for for me it's like I don't understand how it works you know in in a way I don't understand like the social media thing I do it I mean I do the social media thing I'm on Instagram but I don't I just use I just sort of post once in a while now. Well, I used to have someone that did that before the pandemic, you know. I mean, I used to pay 
like I used to, you know, I had full-time publicist in that for years, right? And I, I'm, I'm hoping we'll, we'll get back to that, you know, for my managers, just for my management's uh, sake and that kind of thing. But like, um, but uh, for now, we're like, we had to, to when we come back in, we're like, we're really like super careful now. It's like, well, I'll do some of it myself and then I'll hire, and I've got an assistant and, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, that I can just, a former student that who's doing a great job with it actually so yeah you just the adjustments that you're making you didn't have to make those kind of adjust big adjustments like that is, is, is wow you're doing right it's not too difficult you just the trick is you just need to use it as well yeah and that makes it more difficult <clears throat> because i see a lot of people who start with instagram but they kind of have no idea what it's for and then that makes it very unrewarding and a bit scary. Um, yeah, it was a little, it's the, the idea of it was, I have to admit, was a little unpleasant. But I get, I actually during the pandemic, I sort of looked at it more, like personally, I never look at my stuff, I never listen to my stuff. I never look at my, once it's out the door and it's out into the ether, I never look at my website. I never look at, I never look at, I never looked at, I almost never looked at Facebook, Facebook, which I felt guilty about because, right, when Facebook was really big 10 years ago, people were like, why aren't you answering, you know, like there would be the occasional person, like, why isn't he answering his Facebook thing, you know, this kind of thing. It's like, there's so many things in just the email and the business end of things that takes, that's like a part-time, yeah. a, hel- a pretty healthy part-time job in itself. Just mm-hmm. figuring out what you're going to say yes to and what you're going to say no to and then helping people service that, you know, like your, your, your small, you know, group of folks or whatever to do that on a, you know, on a contract to contract basis. Well, I think you're definitely famous enough to not have to uh, respond to everybody. Yeah, I don't have to check in all the time. Right. I mean, that's, I didn't know though. I was really like, am I supposed to be going? Cause then I'd see some of my colleagues and they're on it all the time. And I'm like, is that what I'm supposed to be doing too? I just not, I'm just not really, I'm not really wired that way. I'm just not really into that kind of, to that sort of thing. I understand why, I, I mean, I understand why some people, they just, they want the, the interaction. I just don't really crave. I understand you're not understanding of it. It's a very weird world. And what I have, I mean, I know a bit about Instagram, but I have that with TikTok because TikTok now seems to be the big thing. How old are your kids? eight and five and i do like watching these uh is it a reels that instagram does are they partnered with tiktok okay so that's like that's kind of tiktoky that it's yeah exactly they saw tiktok doing a good thing and thought we should do that too right well youtube even youtube does it now too right yeah sure these kind of shorts or whatever they're called right so we do like watching shorts because i like i do like watching these these talented folks that dance like either street dancing or 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 dancing in groups and stuff like that and gabriel really likes that so we enjoy watching that kind of stuff together but i have to re- really police it because then they get they go like can we watch you know this kind of thing or whatever and i can't i won't give the phone to them because if they just i mean they they learn right away like how to use it they learn it almost before at the same time that you learn it and then they if you give them their phone they'll just like this and then if they're scrolling through you don't know what they're going to get because they're always trying to also kind of say hey you might enjoy this thinking it the algorithm is thinking it's you or i don't know what it's thinking 
<laughs> yeah, it's dangerous. But um, I think you can probably put some kind of parental controls on it. Or there should be some way of being able to see that. They got to make something where they see the, the eyes or something and it, that's not you. And then it just shuts it down, shuts it off. Yeah, that I'm sure that's great. Because we were like, sorry, sorry, kids, nothing we can do about it. It just doesn't. Yes, only moments away. <laughs> but yeah, it's true because you don't, you know, and what I was really amazed about with the time that I did spend on TikTok is like the kind of stuff that pretty young kids know about. I mean, Ooh. I don't know, in terms of, you know, explicit kind of more than um, 13 rating stuff, I, I was really shocked oh, because yeah, I, yeah. I kind of don't remember knowing that much when I was that little. But Oh, no, 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 because you didn't have access to it. The thing is, on a smart TV, they can they can basically scroll through all the, even the stuff for kids that they're saying is for kids, like seven and under. I'm like, this is not seven and under. No way. Like, this is like, yeah. and, and, then the, and then some parents, you know, they let their kids watch they let their seven or eight year olds or whatever watch PG 13 movies. And then they're coming into school. They're like first graders and they're going, they're saying F and S and all this stuff. And we don't, you know, I'm not saying like we're goody two shoes or whatever. I'm just saying like, we don't, we made a deal because I, I used to curse like a sailor, you know, before we had kids and I had to work, I worked really hard for a whole year to just eliminate it from, like my my habit, habitual speech patterns because that's everything yeah. being a human is like you just kind of fall into kind of habits yeah and we, we worked with so we don't say curse words we don't say stupid the word stupid like when we're talking about something well oh, that you're, you know we say you use some other choice whatever they come home and they're learning all this stuff from their 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 classmates and stuff it's terrible like and yeah there's the access that kids have to all this stuff is insane what do your kids think about your career? They just, for them, you know, it's just that, you know, well, Evangeline has said this quite a few times. Like, she's like, I wish you didn't have the kind of job that you have, you know, because I mean, they, they, they do, it's, you know, they, they do like when I'm around because I take them to the park and, you know, I took them to miniature golf yesterday and, and, you know, we went to David Buster's, which is this kind of like Playland type of thing for Gabriel's birthday a couple of weeks ago. And so they like, yeah, I mean, it's so, you know, I, I guess I'm the fun one even, but I, I'm, I mean, I f feel like I'm fairly strict as far as this is where this, this is here. And then there's the line and then you're on this side and you're, you're on this or you're on the other side, you know. And because you got to be that way with kids, you can't let them because they'll walk all over you, you know, when they're these two are very bright, unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, but the uh, yeah, you know, I'm just uh, it's it's kind of back to the old, the old way I'm gone. Uh, this year, I just half of the year. I mean, but it's mm -hmm. a lot. Actually, that's the thing coming back. I was like, God, this half of the year is like, oh, wait, like half of the year. That's a lot. I mean, to me now, it feels like a lot. So maybe someone's trying to tell me something, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. No, I'm sure that's not. I think like you're in classical music. If you're going to make any kind of living at all, like on gigs, you got to be on the road at least half a year. You know? Yeah, that was something curious that you said before, because um, you, you play a lot. But um, when you said that it was, you know, there was this kind of big income gap, is that something that 
is kind of constantly uh i mean i know that with kids kids are very expensive and you want all the best and you know but um is that something that's still a part of your mind now when you're going out and when you're accepting concerts and stuff well no not now it's like we're i think we're going to be okay but it was like i, like I said it was really destructive like yeah. i mean that's our primary our primary thing is not teaching it's like you can't you don't yeah. I mean, you don't really I'm you know I'm trying to work on some things on the teaching end of things right now over the summer yeah. uh because again that really woke me up it's like god I don't have you know if you no one's you, when you teach at Curtis like you know everybody you get an hourly thing it's like the same it's like Juilliard it's like it's like it's the honor of teaching at that institution and so they don't have to they don't have to give you anything if you don't want to teach her go ahead don't you know don't don't teach that you know, but it's like, I, yeah, no, I'll keep, I'll teach there. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, oh you, know, and the students, you know, and the students are great, but what I'm saying is like, you can't, you can't make a lot of plans for the future on something like that. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, you can't make plans for the future on a lot of things. What I'm saying is that when, you know, the primary thing was gigs, you know, yeah. is the, that's the main thing. And so that was really bad for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of overhead. Touring costs a lot of money. Yeah. yeah, definitely true. What was your relationship like with your parents? I read, I heard you say in an interview that your parents weren't musical. You didn't really have any, like you didn't know anyone. You didn't have any access point to the music yeah. world. What was your relationship like with them, especially when you started or when it started to become apparent that you were really good at this? Well, my parents weren't in music because I, only because they probably just didn't, I mean, the, the sort of the background I come from is not as doesn't have anything to do with entertainment or, or music and certainly not elevated form of music like uh, classical music. I mean, I mean, I'm from a long line of uh, coal passes, you know, my dad, you know, my, my dad's, my, my father's father's side of the family all like worked in, you know, uh, uh, steel factories or brass factories or shoveled coal on, on the Laker boats and stuff like that. And my mom, same thing, like my mother, my mother's family, you know, was kind of worse off than my father's family, like quite a bit worse off. So they don't like, but my mother always had this, I think the, the sort of the thing that worked in my case was my mother always had an appreciation for like the finer things like it was a dream or something like that she wanted to be a ballet dancer right mm. or or a tap dancer and that kind of thing and she was a great she could she was a really good natural dancer just naturally um she never had to be taught any steps or whatever she could watch somebody and then just sort of do it you know and then my dad um, so she had a good, like, like sense, again, probably a good sense of rhythm. My dad has a terrific musical ear. I think it's total natural musical thing. And many members of his family, like his father, his father could play piano by ear. His aunt played piano for, uh, the silent films, you know, before the, oh, before okay. the talkies, before the talkies, uh, hit the cinemas, you know? Um, and so that was, yeah, I think there's a real strong actual thread, but it's, but it's buried in this kind of, you know, blue, really blue collar type of thing. So as studying classical guitar was a bit of an accident because my mother, because I would, 
my favorite activity as a little kid, three, four, five years old, was just endlessly putting on their record collection, you know, and I was a middle child and I think I was a little bit more introverted than my brother or sister. And I just, that was kind of my thing. I mean, music was like a, even at that age was kind of in a, like a world, like a, a not like my own little world. And the Beatles were like, you know, the be all and end all of music. My, my parents didn't have classical records in the house at all. Classical music at all. It was my, my dad's record collection was entirely modern jazz. My mother's was entirely, uh, soul R&B um, from the 60s and uh, rock and roll records from the some rock and roll 45s from the 50s and then the 60s some British invasion animals Beatles stones like that's her that's she if my mother liked music you could dance to you know mm-hmm. early Beatles stuff in the stones you could you know you could dance to it and um so i just i just loved all that stuff if i wasn't doing classical music i would i would have been in that kind of music either as a guitar player or, or definitely a drummer mm. um, so but like, did you start as a classical player then yeah that's the weird thing okay because my mother okay right i didn't i forgot to get to the next part but so my mother brought home like a 50 dollar guitar not realizing it was a classical guitar it was like this this little two-third size or three-quarter size thing with nylon strings on it and a wide neck wide for its you know it was a classical guitar we still have it i just knocked around on it until the buffalo guitar quartet came to my school and if my mother wasn't working as a as a secretary like a typist for my school i would have watched them do their outreach program in my cafeteria and then i would have went to my next class and went home and listened to my Beatles records. It wouldn't, I mean, or Super Trap records, or, you know, it wouldn't have made it, it would, it would just have been kind of like another kind of visitor to school. Oh, good. We got, we have a visitor type of thing. But my mother was like, she made a beeline toward Jeremy Sparks, who was their primary, primary arranger, right? Probably, you know, you could almost argue kind of like the musician of the band, right? Not the, not the technician, but kind of the music guy, the music guy, you know? He did most of those, the, the well-known, well, well-known to some classical guitarists, the arrangements that are on Dober, published by Doberman, you know, the Ravel and the Darius Mio and the, all the uh, Renaissance stuff that a lot of, a lot of students play around the world. Um, so I started studying with him and then he just taught me the classical guitar, te- the technique right, o- right straight away. Just like, I didn't know, I wouldn't have known the difference. I didn't care. I, and also I didn't care. I would just, I would just go, I would practice He'd have a list of stuff for me to do, and then I'd do it, and then the next week, on and on and on and on, and I progressed, you know, pretty quickly because I didn't think of it as work. That's kind of the story of my career. Is I, I mean, I would work 12, 14 hours a day on office, you know, type of things and try to get like three hours of practice in, and, and then I'd go out with friends and this kind of thing, and so nothing ever really felt like work to me. Like, you know, teaching doesn't really – Feel that that much like work it's just that now i have to kind of go oh you i have to kind of tell myself okay you should rest like you should sleep like i you know have time where you're not doing that you know mm. that, that when you get older that's the thing when you get older it gets a little like like you gotta rest actually which, mm-hmm. which sucks <laughs> yeah i can imagine <laughs> were your parents supportive 
did they like that you were good at it? Yeah, they didn't, but they didn't have any kind of thing. Like they weren't like stage parents. They just, we all just, they were just happy that I was so into it. They were almost like looking at this kid, like, wow, he's like really, really into it. My mother though, developed this kind of thing of, wow, he's You know, he's, he could be really, uh, great someday type of thing because then David Russell or would come to Rochester or Carlos Barbosa Lima or Leona Boyd and they then they make they would come to my parents and go you know like okay what's uh, and then, then to Jeremy and go okay uh, you know so it's like this mm-hmm. and my parents would be like really like I mean because we didn't we didn't well, there's no way we would have known you know when you're in orchestra you're studying a string instrument if you're a violinist you kind of figure out pretty quick what the pecking order is of like the best you know cellist versus the sort of the, the better cellist versus the weaker cellist when you're in buffalo and there's like there's no, the, the the guitar society was also very fractured at that time i don't know what it's like now but it was really fractured so there was no unifying society it was only be, really because of rochester guitar society thanks to john wiesenthal that there was like a thing and then they had a concert series and that's where I first heard David Russell when I was 13. And I was like, that was like another, I was like, this guy was from outer space. Like, you know, and, uh, and that, you know, at that time he was from, he was on some other ish, you know what I'm saying? Like he was on some other level. I was like the new, that was, he was showing everybody what the new level was and Barwicko was too, you know? So it was, that's what, like, so when I, that was, that stuff made a big impact on me that, that further motivated me and in turn then motivated my parents because they wanted to talk to, to, to them. You know? But I wonder like, what was your experience, but did you just love it or did you also like being good at it? Because as a kid, I, I just quite liked being good at it. I think once I got the idea that I was good at it, then I liked that part of it too, but I but I I must have also just liked it. I didn't know my parents never had to tell me to practice. We'd be at my grandmother's and my my, my dad, you know, I'd say, Dad, are we gonna, you know, I, I didn't really, I only got this would be like I'll be like 13, 14 or something, and I didn't I only practiced like an hour today, and I felt really, you know, mm. guilty or something about it. It's like, oh, okay, well, you you know, you'll get back to it tomorrow. You'll get, you know, tomorrow's Sunday or something like that you know stuff like that so no i mean i just did it i like to do it on my own so i must i must have enjoyed it i didn't enjoy i didn't love practicing i mean i didn't know how to practice back then i just would sort of bang my head against the wall and like by sheer will the piece would get a little better and and that kind of thing Mm. when when i studied with john holmquist at cleveland institute of music and then figured out and learned about how to really break things down into pieces and put back together and then shift those pieces around then i kind of ran with that and then i would shift the the little bits and pieces around and you know and and the whole my my whole fives uh nines thirteens thing when you're doing scale passages and and then dovetailing and all that stuff i've talked about for 25 years you know then i just i see already by that point 25 years ago i had already ran was running with it and i was improving and I could learn pieces really fast and actually start playing them well right away. Um, but that was because that, that other end of the practice thing kind of came together. I could always learn quickly. I never, and memorize, you know, very, super quick. That was never any kind of problem. And I never struggled with interpretation or how I was going to play something. It was more like early on, it was, it was the thing of like, 
why you know why can't I play this passage? Like it was a mystery until I was like sixteen, seventeen. I was the why mm. how to unlock like how to slow how to slow down and pare down, slow down, pare down, slow down, pare down, then build back up, build back, you know all that kind of stuff. Mm. You know. I think I just I think everything worked out okay. I mean I I mean it could have been a lot worse really. I mean there I I just I think I did. I think I practiced the right amount. Maybe I could have practiced an extra hour a day. What do you mean? But I mean, I guess that, that, but I don't know. I mean, in my 20s, I really, like I said, once I got the religion, you know what I mean? Like about how to practice, like I kind of made it my religion in a way. Like I just became more like a monk. And so through my 20s and really it was like through through my late teens, early 20s. I mean, I won GFA when I was 19. I was already already. Th- Sort of, sort of two, three years into this kind of thing where, like, it, like I really started to figure it out, like how to yeah. how to solve problems, and then all, all the way through my twenties, I mean, I probably practiced a lot. I mean, I don't, if, I mean, it's, I feel like I'm playing better than I ever did nowadays, but, um, but if, but, and I, but I would play better if I could get consistently get. The problem is that. My career now for a long time is has too much office, what I call office work or non-musical work. And I was told that by my first publicist like uh, 15 years ago. She said, well, the thing is like, you know, she's like Yo-Yo Ma. Like, you know, he doesn't really, you know, now I don't know if she knew this for a fact or not. I mean, like, a lot of these things just go around the whole music thing. You know, he doesn't really practice all that much. I mean, most of what he's working on is done on us. So as you as you're climbing, which you are, like practicing is going to occupy less and less of a percentage of actually what your workday is. And I was like, no, it's not. I, I remember thinking to myself, I can't, because if it does, then I'm just not going to be playing as I don't. I I just don't like to not play well. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm if I get to a point where I'm not playing well and I could actually make money te- teaching enough money to support my family. I'm going to hang up my, I'll probably hang up my skates. You know, I just don't like, it's not enjoyable for me unless I'm playing, you know, at my best. No, I'm not saying, if I, I'm not saying that if I'm, when I'm 60, if I if, if I can get to where I'm still doing this when I'm 65, if I'm not playing as well as it was when I was 45 or 35, I'm going to, I'm going to uh, hang it up. I don't mean that. I mean, mm-hmm. but I mean like, like, you know, we hear kind of Russell at, at his best, like when he, you know, on, on a really good night or whatever. And it, that, like, it's really hard to do that, yeah. you know, at, at that age. It's got to be because your body just starts, you know, is just it's aged a lot, and you don't, you don't. There's a lot of things that are just aren't working the yeah. way that you're, everything works for you at your 20s and 30s. Like you don't have to think about anything, and just you don't, you don't think, you just do. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that that's something that you would consider doing, like retiring a little earlier than you uh, would want to? Nice to kind of go out like Jordan or something like that, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. I'm not comparing myself to Jordan. I'm saying the idea that you like go out. Yeah, on a a win. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you just hang it up and and then everybody's going like, oh, why? Why now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. But, even, but even Jay-Z couldn't do it. He couldn't stay away, you know. That's the yeah. thing. You know, he's, you, know, you try to go out on the Black album. Oh, no, this is my retirement album. And then, like, two years later, he's like, oh, I guess not. I guess I'm not going to do it. Someone's doing it. Oh, sorry. 
Like, they, I was a real oddball kid, you know, if you think about, like, if you get a picture of my, that, that family background, it's like, huh? What, they didn't know what, anything, what, classical guitar, they didn't listen to classical music, they listened to Bruce Springsteen. You know, they didn't, there wasn't, there wasn't anything like, like, that at, at all. So, like, I would go, you know, if I, like, so, I mean, like, I mean, I just, I could play anything I heard by ear, so I would just go like, so like and they'd be like, I mean, like when I was like eight or something like that, I'd be like, you can play that? Or like uh, or, or like Van Halen or something like that or Zeppelin. I'm like, I'd just play it. You, it wasn't like, I mean, I was like, I was such a snob too. I became such a snob after that. Cause I was like, well, that stuff's easy. You know, I didn't think of the whole songwriting production. Again, what, what they do musically occupies like a very small fraction of what, the whole thing that they've got to do in order to kind of make it or whatever. You know, so, uh, but to me, I was like, God, that ride, this rock and roll, I would never go into rock and roll. It's too easy. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I didn't know. I just thought that's what they did. You know. I love being the bearer of bad news when people say, you know, well, if it doesn't work out in classical, I'll just go into pop. You can just, yeah, why don't you just go? My cousins are like that all the time. Like, why don't you, why are you just going to that? Why are you doing this, this uh, other stuff that you're doing? Like, it doesn't, you know, it didn't make any sense to them at all until I won the GFA competition. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, he's doing, oh, he's going on a, he's going on a tour, like, uh, in, like for a whole year. He has to take a year off of school to do that. Oh, okay. He's getting paid for the the concerts. Like, so once you, so when you come from that kind of background, I come from like if you attach some money to it or renown or some kind of like notoriety, then it's like, oh, okay. I guess he was right all along. But we didn't, you know, like you don't you don't know anything, you know. Just you're just doing it. You're only doing it just because it's fun. Just like it was, you know. And that's the only that's as far as I was thinking. I just wanted to play good. I just wanted to be a good player. Really and, and I had enough feedback from again, like I said, the, the players, the international players, like, oh, okay, good. This is yeah, because I wasn't. I loved soccer too, but I don't think I was going to really become a professional soccer player or a hockey player. You know, I loved, I love, and still love sports. But I mean, it just, you know, you just sort of know. The guitar thing was a good, you know, the classical guitar thing. That was my. That's, that was that was something I could really hang my hat on in a way. This has been so nice. Thank you so much for talking to me. I, I'm <laughs> conscious of your time. Can I take a picture? For This is the first time that I've actually remembered it because we talked about Instagram so much. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, no, I should look into my webcam. It doesn't really matter where you look. My... <laughs> yeah, that's lovely. That's lovely. Yeah, I want to be professional. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> New headshot. Um, yeah. Yeah, great. Thanks so much. I'm really excited for this to come out, and it's been really a dream talking to you. Really, I'm really thankful, actually, that we were able to do this, because, I mean, it's, like I said, the contact is kind of a good thing. So that was Jason Viewer. I hope you really enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I think I've never laughed more in an episode. He was just so sweet, and talking about Instagram and TikTok and the fears that he has, it just... It makes me think of almost everybody that I know who has young kids just freaking out about what the online world has to offer and how to protect everybody from it. Um, it was really nice chatting to him and um, he's such a lovely guy. I, I don't know why I didn't expect it. 
Anyway, thank you for joining me so much for this episode and I'll be back next week with another great episode with a good friend of mine, Chris Stahl from London. If you don't know already who he is, Chris is one half of the Even Stahl guitar duo and I really recommend that you check out some of their records before listening to the episode next week. They're an absolutely fantastic duo and both of them are just stellar people. Um, But anyway, I hope you have a really great week wherever you are and I will catch you next week for next week's episode of Fretnard.